Part of me wants to go back and sit down and let her carry on. Give me a second while I set this up real quick. How's everybody? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for, uh, for your word and uh, our time together. And now, Lord, uh, move me out of the way so that your message can be heard. And uh, have me share exactly what you want to be heard. So that we don't live here uh, empty this morning. We'd be filled up to go out and do your work and serve and help and share and uh, do exactly what you've called us to do, as it says in your word. Go forth and make disciples. Thank you for what you're going to do. May you get all the glory, praise, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, they say that the number one fear in life is uh, public speaking. Did y'all hear that? So it's changed over recent years, 9-11 and all the other things. They say the number one fear in life now is death. <laughs> so how many of y'all ever been uh, kind of nervous when you got up to speak? Yeah, you ever, but how many of y'all have ever spoken somewhere and you just, they couldn't shut you up sometimes? Come on, I know it's almost all y'all, because if you get on a topic that you're really excited about, you can go, right? And you could just share and share, and all of a sudden, when you get up on a different setting and you get in front of people, maybe people that you don't know, you're not sure what they're going to say, how they're going to look at you, and things like that, and you're up in front of them, and you, get, you start talking, and it's like, you ever seen a cartoon where the cat's got the tongue? You know, it's like, you, all of a sudden, you can't talk, or you're stuttering, you're, you're nervous, and things like that. It doesn't come out, it doesn't flow like it normally would. So I don't know why I shared that. I just wanted to get up there and say that because uh, at first I was nervous, and then when Deja play, play, played, I felt great. So Deja's actually going to be uh, one of my uh, protégés in the audio room. So, yeah, put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> just to make sure that you stay. No, just kidding. <laughs> we need help. Okay, so. My message today is, uh, the title is called Biblical Thinking, and we're going to come from 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to go through two verses, verses 8 and 9. We're going to keep it real simple and short, and I'll have you guys out of here by about a quarter to two. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. We got the tent out in the parking lot. We're going to have a revival service. No, just kidding. So 8 and 9, if you're there, say, I'm out. Okay, I'm going to read from New Living Translation version. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. That's um, two short verses, but they, it's so full. Those two verses are so full. You know, sometimes I wonder... Um, 
I wonder if I've taken in too much of the, the world that I cannot be what God's called me to be. I'm just going to be straight with you. Um, you, you guys ever, um, you ever wonder, or you ever do something and you're, you regret doing it? You ever say something and you regret saying it? You, you, ever, you ever go somewhere and you wonder, why did I decide to go here? And you regret it. I wonder if committing to live a righteous life is a thing of the past for Christians. When you look around uh, in our world today, for example, y'all bear with me here. I'm going to go off on a, a small rabbit trail. But when you think about dress in our culture today, where is modesty gone? Um, ladies, they wear stuff so tight, things are popping out. Guys are wearing their pants and, 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 and their underwear is showing. Um, how about, how about marriage? It's, it's not, nobody believes in a, no, not, not nobody, but a lot of folks don't believe in what marriage actually stands for anymore. The covenant, a blood covenant. Single parent home is the norm. Um, it doesn't take a father and a mother. It takes a village. <laughs> what about this same-sex marriages um, the television shows and movies they glamorize same-sex marriages um, they glamorize that lifestyle uh, how about this one uh, the gender gender stuff um, you can any gender can go in any gender bathroom. <sighs> Drugs being legalized. And as a result, our society is dumbed down, thinking all we need to do is numb the pain. We got issues in our life, let's just numb the pain. No respect for authority anymore. Parents, teachers, law officers, military personnel. You think of all the stuff that's going on nowadays. No respect for the elderly. We just heard a story about Mr. Malone earlier. No respect for the elderly. Th these are people that have helped pave the way for the next generation. Children, grandchildren who want things from their mom, dad, parents, uncles, aunts, but to help them or to spend time with them. Nah, I'm not interested. Sometimes I wonder how much more will the Lord take? Then I think, well, maybe since I'm still here, he wants to use me. He wants, he wants me to be a vessel, and he wants me to say, here I am, Lord, send me. So in order to accomplish 
what the Lord wants me to do, I need instruction. So let's go to his word. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, now this is not exactly, I, I've taken, here's what I've done. I'm going to take 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, and I'm going to take a lot of different versions and add it into what I'm saying. So don't think you're going to be able to read along with me. It says, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, keep a cool head, stay alert, be well balanced, be self-disciplined. In other words, don't be drunk, don't be high on drugs, don't be ignorant of your surroundings, don't lose your temper at the drop of a hat, don't take a nap in the midst of a battle. Don't be so dogmatic that you can't forgive. Don't be like Oscar from The Odd Couple. Y'all remember that show? The, the original, not the new one, but the original. Oscar from The Odd Couple, how he was just, he was disorganized, unaccountable, not good for his word. Don't be like that. So the Lord tells us this in, in, in the first section of chapter 5, verse 8, and it says, uh, don't do all this stuff. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be watchful. Keep a cool head. Okay, go, okay Lord, I, I got that. You drilled that home pretty good. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. And I understand. Yep, I got it. But why should I do it? That's what a, that's what a young person would say. That's what a new babe in Christ would say. Why should I do this, Lord? And he keeps on going. In verse 8, he says, because the enemy... Your adversary, the devil. Let's stop right there. Let's not go past. Let's stop right there. It says, think about that for a moment. You could have done everything right up until the point in your life right now, today, this moment, this second, this instant. You could have done everything perfectly. You still got an enemy. What'd you do to him? Did you say anything against them? No, you've been perfect up to this point. But you still have an enemy. You still have an enemy. Okay, so uh, you didn't do anything to him. What does he want with us? I, we were born and all of a sudden we got an enemy. What? That's not fair. So what does he want for us? Continuing on in verse 8, it says... He, Satan, the devil, the adversary, the cast down fallen angel is ready to pounce and he's walking all around scouting out candidates like a roaring lion. What's what? Okay, roaring lion. Let's picture that roaring lion. Why does this lion roar? This enemy of ours, why does he roar? It's twofold. Number one, to keep believers from sharing the good news and from being good examples to draw the loss to the Lord. Two, to keep believers occupied chasing the noise or being afraid of the noise which distracts us from doing number one. Shall I read that again? It says, to keep believers occupied, chasing the noise. 
What was that? What? Y'all ever, you hear something in your house, and you, right? You're chasing the noise or being afraid of the noise that distracts us from doing number one. Y'all ever see a dog eat, eating, eating his food, eating his alpo? He's got that dog, dog dish down there and he's eating. You ever try to play around with him or move the dog food from him? What does he do? Right? He'll eat it, he'll bite the master from taking his food. So Satan roar, he roars. And some of those roars in our life can be financial. They can be relational. They can be health. There's a lot of different roars out there. All kinds of distractions that he wants us to focus on instead of the solution. We are told to cast our cares upon the Lord. This lion also roars to warn others to keep away from his territory. Satan wants us to keep from showing the way of escape to the slaves, the unsaved. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're having a good life. Things are going good. Don't worry about you. Don't worry about them. You're doing okay. Just take care of self. Don't worry about others. You're all right. Let them deal with their own issues. Verse 8, as it continues, it says, looking for, seeking someone to devour. Satan wants to devour us. Think about that. We have an enemy. We didn't do anything to him, but he's all of a sudden our enemy. He's roaring around, trying to distract us from doing, continuing to do the things we're called to do. But he wants to devour us. He doesn't just want to beat us up. He wants to devour us. Now, we as believers, those that have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, he can't devour us. That's a lie. But he can stop us from doing what we're called to do if we allow him to with the distractions. But. He wants to devour us. Okay. So he wants to consume destructively. I looked up this word devour. You ever seen a house catch on fire? A frame house maybe? And you ever seen it go up in flames? How about you ever um, light a fireplace? Okay, this, we're in the summertime, barbecuing. You, you all lit a, lit a barbecue recently. You see how those flames go up. You ever put a piece of meat on top of the grill before the flame kind of dies down and you let the actual charcoals cook the meat instead of the fire? That what devours the meat and all the juices start popping and flowing onto the fire and it's that's devouring. I put on here in my notes uh, for those of you that were there, like Joshua Hamlet, Hamlet consumes a hamburger. Yeah, to swallow up angrily, right? Voraciously or ravishly, like a shark, shark consumes meat. Satan wants to wipe us out. He wants to wipe us out. So here we are, we're born. We haven't done anything to this dude. And he wants to take us out. 
if our enemy can keep us drunk, if he could keep us on drugs, if he, he can keep us being selfish, if he can keep us being bitter, if he can keep us lazy, if he, if he can keep us ignorant, and on and on, we're easy prey for him. And we are useless for the kingdom. Useless for the kingdom. And fortunately, we can't see all the attacks because we're in a spiritual battle. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. We're in a spiritual battle. It's an unseen battle going on right now. It's an unseen battle. It's kind of hard to understand when you're a new believer, even if you're an old believer. Sometimes you forget, one, you forget, one, you're in a battle. And number two, you forget you're in an unseen battle. So Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. If we can't see all the attacks of the attacker, how do we defend ourselves? You see, this is, some, this is stuff that when I think about new believers, even young believers, you get a child that's, oh, they accepted Christ at a young age, and all of a sudden you start seeing them, and they're not looking any different than the so-called unbelievers. And you're going, were they really saved, or is it that they're just ignorant and they haven't gotten to the word. Well, wait a minute. They've been, to, they've been to Sunday school. They've been under Mama Rackett's teaching and training and tutelage. And they've been going through that stuff. And we even had them in uh, the, the, the summer camps. What are they called? The KAA and all. The, you know, we had them in all types of stuff. And all. what's going on? It's because they don't understand a lot of this stuff. And I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying it's, it's just they don't understand. It's a spiritual battle. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. You tell a child, I mean, okay, if you look at it this way, you raise a child, and a child's 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, almost every day of their life, you're telling them, hey, look, you're in a battle. There's an enemy out there. His name is Satan, devil. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to ravishly take you out. Any of y'all do that every day of your child's life? So, I mean, I'm not blaming our, myself or anybody. I'm just saying if we have to train and instruct ch children to grow up and defend themselves, we have to remind them. We got to remind ourselves, let alone reminding them. Because there's outside influences that they're going to be around more than you, more than likely. There's an enemy out there. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. But he knows he can't get you, the saved, but what he can go after is those young ones. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy those while he can to keep them enslaved. Amen? Or if they are saved, he wants to keep them ignorant so that they're not useful to the kingdom. 
And the same goes for us. So if we can't see all the attacks or the attacker, how do we defend ourselves? You know what, before I go on, during Halloween time, you have all the devil costumes and all that stuff. Where did they come up with that? I mean, I, I know part of it, the horn thing and all the stuff back in the days, they had the horn and they used to do the, the rituals and stuff like that. But it kind of puts the picture in a young person's mind that that's how the devil looks. Yeah, so that person, yeah, he's a nice guy. He doesn't look that bad, you know. <laughs> he doesn't have a mask on and he's not red and black and got long ears and a, you know, a grin on his face. You know, he doesn't look like the devil. So we tend to sometimes look for things that have been put out in the world to make us think that's who the enemy is. The enemy sometimes is ourself. So if we cannot see our attacker, how do we defend ourselves? In verse 9, it says, resist him. Keep your guard up. Stay loyal. Stay committed. Stay devoted. Stay steady. Stay strong in your faith. That sounds good. Okay, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, in Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? I could go on for a whole nother sermon with this because I don't like reading the Bible and just continuing on. I go to a point and I go, whoa, I need to get a full understanding of that. Let me, let me study that. I need to grasp that. And, okay, who so, I'm, 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 I'm going to keep going, though. It says, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Whose delight? The people that you are getting counsel from. Not the people who are ungodly. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. How do we stay devoted? How do we stay steady? How do we stay strong in our faith? We delight in his word. We delight in the counsel of the godly. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not be withered, and whatever he does shall prosper. Everybody wants to prosper, amen? Everybody here want to prosper? Everybody want to be successful and stuff like that? Well, how do we, how do, we do that? Well, we got to be planted by the rivers of water so that we can bring forth fruit, which is success, prosperity, or whatever. So, okay, what's in this analogy here? What's the rivers of water? What is the rivers of water? The law of the Lord, the word of God, counsel of godly. Positive association with godly people. Examples. People that are living their lives. In other words, 
the opposite of drunkards, people on drugs, liars, haters, bitter people, all of that stuff. This is why we, when, we, when we ourselves or our children, we try to keep them in a positive environment. But I think sometimes we take our, ourselves or our children, we try to put ourselves in a positive environment. Yeah, these are positive people. They don't, they don't cuss. They don't do all the crazy stuff. But do they know the Lord? Are they planted in the river of water? Are they? Otherwise, you could find yourself doing this. Well, they're having a party. I'm going to go hang out. They're good people. I'm just going to go hang out and pay my respect and stuff like that. And I'm going to go hang. And all of a sudden, it's, I'm going back over there a couple days later or a week later. And I'm hanging with them more because they're good people. I have fun hanging with them and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, I figure one of these days I'm a, the door is going to open. I'm going to be able to share the gospel with them. And all of a sudden, you find yourself watching things you shouldn't be watching, going places you shouldn't be going, doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. Why? It's because instead of you rubbing off on them, they're rubbing off on you. Planted in waters, rivers of water. The Lord also said in Romans 8, verse 9, verse 9 continues. Well, I, I'm not going to read Romans 8. I, I, that's my little hashtag, read Romans 8. All right. Hashtag, read Romans 8. Verse 9, it continues. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You notice how sometimes when you're going through stuff, it seems like you're the only one going through it. We, we, you know, we can start licking our own wounds. Oh, my God, I'm, nobody's going through what I'm going through. Nobody's feeling what I'm feeling. This has got to be the worst thing in the world. And all of a sudden, you run across somebody somewhere else. You hear about it, and they went through the same thing. And you're like, hark. Okay. So, okay, why do we go through some of the stuff that we have to go through? Could it be that you're maybe one day going to be used by the Lord to run across somebody that's going through or went through the same thing and you can help encourage them? You can lift their spirits or you can get them out of the off the road that they're going and bring them back. Could it be? So it's it's whatever you're going through, the suffering won't last forever. Sometimes when I'm going through stuff, that's one of the things I think of. I said, man, that's, Lord, I, I, y'all ever say this? The Lord won't give you more than you can bear. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Lord, help now. Yeah, see, Lamise. It won't last forever. It reminds me of a song by Fred Hammond. It's, it's the one that's called We're Blessed. And he's got these, this, this little se section in there. It says, uh, late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. It's going to work in your favor. So I tend to look at when I'm going through challenges in life, and I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to embrace it. But I'm also going to say, okay, what can I learn from it? How, how is God using this in my life? How can I use this to help encourage someone else? It hurts, but you know what? God's got me doing, going through this for some reason. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stay planted. I'm not going to run away and say, this hurts too bad. I'm going back because that's where it's comfortable. Because then you got to start it all over again, just like the, the Israelites. They had to keep walking around, you know, take another lap. They were right there. They just kept going around. Christ died on the cross. All of that pain and suffering, he did that for us. If, if that were you and I, could, I mean, yeah. When you look at, okay, Christ died for you. Christ died for all those that aren't even saved yet. Christ died for the wickedest sinner on the face of the earth so that on his deathbed, he could say, Lord, I believe that you died for my sins and be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. You and I would be like, man. I don't know, rolling after your message today, I'd probably be willing. Yeah, right. <laughs> working on it, working on it. When times get tough, we need to remember that. It's not as bad as what Christ did on the cross. What else will help us stand in the midst of the storm? Ephesians 6.13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So storm's going to come. It's not that we're gonna, supposed to ask for it or anything like that, but the storms in life, they're going to come. All different avenues. But we're to be strong. Sometimes we're going to feel weak, but we have to stay planted in a river of water. We have to be what Peter says, alert. Watching out for our enemy. Standing firm. And standing strong in our faith. We got an enemy that we didn't do anything against. That wants to take us out. That just doesn't want to hurt us. He wants to take us out. He wants us to be useless. So that he can continue, you know, keeping other people in the dark. And there's a lot of people going through things that we've been through or going to go through that will be used to be able to help them get through the hurdles of dealing with the issues of life and those struggles. Peter went through it. This guy, that, he, was the main, he was like the main dude, right? He was, he, was the, he was the rock. And he turned around and denied Christ, cussed, 
everything. Whoa, man, he was with Jesus. He was like the head guy. He turned around and cussed and denied Christ. Come, what? So he knew all about going through trials. He knew all about, he actually, he knew all about being planted in the waters. He's with Jesus all the time. He's like the core, those three, the core. When, when Jesus called a special meeting, he was like the first one there. He was one of three. And he told him, when he, before he left this earth, he said, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He, God put that in his word because I believe he wasn't just talking to Peter. He was talking to us. He said, Randy, feed my sheep. Oliver, feed my sheep. Cynthia, feed my sheep. Kayla, feed my sheep. Everyone. Feed his sheep. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word and... Um, how one verse can keep us confused, studying for hours just to get a full grasp of what it says. And when you look at the whole 66 books, we got a long way to go. Thank you for what it has to say, Lord. And I, before I close out, Lord, I pray for Anyone that might be in the midst of this service that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that does not know or fully understand that you came, lived a sinless life, took on all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, for them, so that they could come to know you and have everlasting life. And dwell with you in the kingdom of heaven. How does that benefit them? That you would come into their life. Someone that was willing to sacrifice it all for them. What's the benefit of that? Being able to be a servant of the Lord. Being able to have true love in their heart. And to be used by God Almighty. I pray that they will come to know you, Lord, today, whether it be in this service or on their way home or when they get home, that you would pull on their heart and help them come to know you as Lord and Savior. Well, thank you for what you're going to do now, Lord, for the, our time together. I pray that um, everyone that leaves out of here this afternoon, Lord, is... Uh, change because of your word not because of me but because of your word and what it says i pray that if it's something that may have uh, made someone go you know what i need to look at that again let your word uh, create a desire and hunger in their heart to want to know you more so thank you for what you've done thank you for what you're going to do we love you in jesus name amen